Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Uh, Thank you for opening up your heart to us as we open God's word together. This has been a great journey that we've been on. We've been talking about finding normal, you know, finding normal. What is that? What does that mean anymore with with all the things that are changing around us? What is this new reality that we're stepping into? And we're tracking along with the children of Israel. Uh, Last week, we talked about moving forward. And and, uh, today, if you're taking notes, the title of this message today is simply this, Cloudy with a Chance of Manna. Okay, cloudy with a chance of man. I'm going to explain that better in just a moment. You know, last week we got the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, we, we got them through the Red Sea. Uh, all the difficulty, the craziness, we saw the faithful hand of God moving them forward. Now they're about to go on a long journey through the wilderness. How were they going to handle this long trip? I thought about taking trips. Have you ever taken a long road trip with your family? Have you ever packed up your small kids and driven to a faraway place? It's pretty interesting, isn't it? I begin to think about a a few of our experiences, and I notice this pattern, okay? Moms and dads, see if you can identify when it comes to taking long family trips. The, The first step is this naive optimism. Come on, kids, this is going to be great. Load up in the vehicle. We're going to take a 17-hour journey. It's going to be awesome. You know, you got all the excitement, and you're creating that anticipation. It it starts with naive optimism, and then it kind of slowly moves into this subtle encouragement. Um, Okay, kids, um, we need to treat each other with respect. Remember, we love each other. You know, the kids are, are saying, don't cross this line. Mama, he's touching me. You know, we start to hear some of the yeah, yeah, you're like, hey, don't forget, we love each other. So it quickly moves from naive optimism to subtle encouragement, and then it just ends in threats, right? Hey, do you want me to pull this car over right now? Did your mama ever talk with clenched teeth? Look, I'll give you a reason to cry. You want something to cry about? This is sometimes taking a long journey as a family. It gets interesting. And what we're about to see here, you know, the Israelites had just crossed the Red Sea and they stepped into the wilderness. They're only a few days into this long journey and somebody forgot to pack the snacks. Oh, yeah, and there was a meltdown. Come on, how many of you know if you don't have beef jerky on a long trip, it's trouble? Read with me in Exodus chapter 16, starting with verse 3. Here's what the Israelites say. Oh, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Can you hear the whining? I mean, the the yeah, yeah, listen to it. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. At least there we sat around pots filled with meat, and we ate all the bread we wanted. But now, Moses, now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. (laughs) Come on, that's gratitude, right? How many of you wouldn't want to be Moses right about now? I mean, everything that Moses had done for the nation of Israel had delivered them from slavery. Man, they passed through the Red Sea, didn't even get wet, okay? They're in this newfound freedom, and they're complaining. 
They're complaining to Moses, but really they're complaining against God. Look at what it says here in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. I want to stop right here. And if you're taking notes, write down this first thought. I think this is a powerful thought. Number one, only God can make it rain. Notice what God's response was to their complaints. He says, I'm going to make it rain food from heaven. Now, now think about it. Isn't that a strange way to deliver the groceries? I mean, this is unheard of, unprecedented. You know, here's a fun question. If it could rain food from heaven, what kind of thunderstorm would you want to be caught in? Come on, think about that. If you love food as much as I do, we entertain this, kind of kick this around with some friends the other day. What would you want it to rain? If it would rain food, what, what storm would you want to be caught in? Um, maybe a, a Roos Chris steak. Come on, somebody. How many like to get caught in that storm? Or maybe some chicken wings from Soji. Or, you know, what about Krispy Kreme? My family would love to be in a Krispy Kreme thunderstorm. Come on, no umbrella necessary, baby. I would love to be in a storm with waffle fries drizzled with a little Polynesian sauce. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think how God made a promise to them saying, I'm going to rain down food from heaven. It made me think about that kid's movie. It was put out several years ago called Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Have you seen that? We're in this little kid's animation movie. It literally rains down food from heaven. Here is the original. This is God saying, listen, it's cloudy with a chance of manna. Now, now here's what's interesting. Cloudy. The Bible says that in the, the Israelites' journey, they were led by a cloud. A cloud would literally guide them through this wilderness region. And now God is promising to rain down manna from heaven. Wow. I mean, it was a cloud that led them and manna that fed them. You see the faithfulness of God in his sovereign design. He knew exactly what he was going to do. The children of Israel didn't understand it. They weren't prepared for it. And all they knew to do was to complain. They complained against Moses. And they immediately think about how good they had it in the past. And God hears their complaints. And he says, I'm going to give you food from heaven. We know the name of that food is called manna. Now, literally, the word manna in the Hebrew is, is literally this. What? What is it? They look at this food that's been laid out in front of them, and they don't know what to do with it. They, they've never seen it before. Here, I think, is a powerful thought because God is providing for them, and this is not by natural means. This is by supernatural means. These are the people of God. And they are dependent on God for their survival. They look at this substance on the ground and they don't know what to make of it. They say, what is it? And so that's where we get the translated word manna. I want you to know this. God can provide for you in the most creative ways. God can bring something to you in unexpected ways, ways that you haven't thought of, ways that you haven't prepared for. But the sovereignty of God to care for us as his people, he says, I'm going to take 
care of you. They didn't understand it. They didn't recognize it. They said, what is it? You know, God will find a way to get it to you. And it may come to you in ways that you don't recognize. I think this is so important because I know that, that over the last several months, in fact, as of this recording, statistically, there are 26 million Americans who have filed for unemployment. That's roughly one out of six American workers who no longer have a, a job. It's, it's like their, their stream of income has dried up and they wonder, Lord, will it ever rain again? You see, God can make it rain. And when you trust God, he can bring provision to you in ways that you never even thought of. I mean, I thought of this story I heard a number of years ago about a Christian who lived next door to an atheist. And the Christian was very outspoken in his faith and very dependent on God. And the atheist loved to make fun of him and tried to declare, there is no God. One day, the Christian walked out on his front doorstep and he said, Lord, I need food, and I pray that you would provide for me. Well, the atheist shouted at him, there is no God. The next day, the Christian went out on his front porch, and he saw bags of groceries. There it was, groceries right there at his doorstep. And so he, he immediately began to pray, and he says, Lord, thank you. You have supplied my need. Well, the atheist was hiding in the bushes, and he jumped out immediately. He said, ha, 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 ha. See, that wasn't God that did it. I bought those groceries. I put those groceries at your doorstep. That was me. There is no God. The Christian then turned to heaven, and he said, Lord, I thank you that you did it, and you made the devil pay for it. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? God will find whatever way necessary to get you what you need. Uh, sometimes we, we fear things that we don't understand. We see gaps that we don't know how to bridge. And yet God was telling the Israelites, listen, I hear what you're saying and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to supply it to you. The scripture tells us that every morning when they would wake up, they would go to their doorstep and they would see this manna. Uh, the, the manna was laid out in the fields before them. Uh, think about this. While they were resting, God was working. Think about that. They did not have to go to bed at night worried. I know sometimes we lay our heads on our pillow at night and we're worried about tomorrow. We're worried about how we're going to pay that bill, how we're going to provide the needs for our family or, or where that next uh, source of income is going to come from. But yet the Israelites, they went to bed and they didn't have to worry because every morning it was like waiter or it was like Grubhub. You know, it, here it was delivered to them. And I want to stop right here and just encourage you. Don't get caught up in worry. Uh, if you'll trust God as you're resting, God will do all the heavy lifting. Now, I'm not saying to be lazy. I'm not saying, well, you just kick back. And, you know, of course, we take responsibility and we do our part. But don't worry about things that you don't have control over. You know, you can go to bed at night and you can trust that God's provision will meet you in the morning. Uh, listen, the Israelites had no bread. They had no meat. They had no water. Guess what? God said, no problem. I love that about God. I think God enjoys stacking the odds against himself so that when the supernatural happens, nobody can take credit for it but God.
We can't wake up and say, look at what we've done. Look at what we've accomplished. We're living dependent upon the Lord. And guess what? God is faithful to make it rain. Can I have a good amen? You see, God doesn't just get us out of Egypt, but he will lead us through the wilderness. God wasn't just good enough to get them out of bondage, but he was so good, he's saying, I'm going to faithfully sustain you even in the wilderness. For them, it's not just escape, it's endurance. You know, God wants you to know he's not just going to deliver you from your problems. Some of us are just looking for an out. And God's saying, listen, I can create the way of escape, but I'm even better than that. I will be faithful to you to get you through where you need to go. See, the Israelites complained, and God said, I'll rain down food from heaven. Look at the next verse. Look at the last half of verse 4. The Bible says each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. God says, I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. The second thought I want to give you in this is this. Number two, your faith is going to be tested. God was arranging this. Now, the faithfulness of God, he guaranteed provision, but he also allowed them to be tested. Some of you are feeling the test right now. You sense the pressure that sometimes a a test can create. God was testing the Israelites here. And you know what? A loving father will arrange a certain series of tests for us as well. You know, if you think about it, testing is God's method of promotion. Have you ever prayed, Lord, bring me to a new level? God, I'm just believing that that I'm going to come up higher. Um, uh, Lord, I pray for promotion. I pray for advancement. God, I'm just believing you're going to enlarge my territory. Have you ever prayed those prayers? How is God going to get you from where you are to that new level of faith? He's going to test you. Uh, and, And a loving father will create a series of tests to prepare us for that next season. I can remember a time in my life where I just felt like God was always dealing with me. You ever, you ever felt like that? You know, I remember thinking, well, God, won't you deal with him? God, won't you do something about her? Lord, why are you always dealing with me? Why are you messing with me? God, fix her, change him. They got a lot of work that, you know, and I remember just kind of pouring my heart out to God and I felt in my spirit, God said, Mike, you've asked me for some big things. Do you want them or not? You see, God will test us to prepare us and to get us ready. The Israelites were being tested because there was a promised land that he was trying to get them ready for. Come on, can somebody say amen? Oh, this is so good. Our faith is going to be tested. Now, I don't know if you've taken tests and sometimes your teacher will allow you to bring in a little cheat sheet. Have have you ever had that happen? They'd say, okay, take this little three-by-five index card and write down as much information as you can on that card, and that will be the only thing that you can bring with you to the test. And remember how you'd write as small as you could, and you'd cover that thing on on the front and back and all the information on that little cheat sheet? Uh, Let me give you a cheat sheet, okay? Three things. If you're being tested right now in this pandemic, and maybe you're feeling pressure financially, maybe you're feeling stress uh, from just isolation, or, or 
maybe you've battled sickness in your body or, or maybe you're, you're feeling frustration based on where things are. Here's a cheat sheet that's going to help you, okay? Three quick things. First of all, gratitude. Gratitude. If you include an attitude of gratitude, that's going to help you pass this test. I'm going to tell you this. It's hard to be hateful when you're grateful. Come on, can I have a good amen? You know, the, the Israelites were, were slipping in gratitude, and so they just got mean. But if we can remember to include gratitude, you know what? Maybe we've lost some things, but we haven't lost everything. You can find something, even in this season, to be thankful for. You know, you say, well, you know, here, here's an example. Lord, I may have lost my job, but I thank you that I still have my health. You say, but Michael, what if you've lost your health? Well, Lord, I, maybe I've lost my job and my health, but I'm thankful that I still have my family. You say, well, Mike, what if I've lost my family? Lord, maybe I've lost my, my job and my health and my family, but Lord, I'm thankful that I still have you. You see, if you have Jesus, then Jesus can restore your job. He can restore your health. He can restore your family. We need to include gratitude in this time of testing. You see, grateful people can find a blessing. They can create a blessing, and they can enlarge a blessing. There's something to be said for the people of God when they're tested to focus on what they have and not complain over what they've lost. And I think this would have helped the children of Israel. If they would have been more grateful, the journey would have been way more pleasant. The second thing on this little cheat sheet is this, not only gratitude, but obedience. Obedience. You know, there's a reason why God has given us this book. You know, it's not just a book of history, but he's given us his word to instruct us. And what I've discovered is this. If you'll obey God, your life will be blessed. But if you live selfishly, your life will be a mess. And I want to challenge us as God's people to get in the book, to make a commitment to his word and say, Lord, I'm just going to do what you've said. I don't understand everything. I may not always feel like it, but Lord, if you've given me this instruction, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to walk in it. You see, we have to be convinced that this book is the authority. This scripture is God's authority. If you're not convinced that the Bible is God's authority, then you're going to be a slave to whatever sounds good. And let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff out there that may sound good. It may feel good, but it's not God. We've got to be focused on the Lord and his word. And if we make a commitment, first of all, Lord, I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to find something to be thankful for. And then I'm going to make a commitment to do your word. Obedience is the pathway to blessing. And then the last thing on this little cheat sheet is simply this, trust trust. Gratitude, obedience, and trust. You know, you don't have to understand everything to trust him. In fact, you may not understand everything, but you can trust him anyway. Uh, Here's the thought that I had. If, If we don't trust God in the wilderness, then we won't be responsible in the promised land. You see, God's trying to get us ready for the promised land, but it's going to require gratitude, obedience, and trust. Look at what it says in verse six. 
uh, chapter 16, verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, by evening you will realize that it was the Lord. Who, who, who was it? Come on, somebody say the Lord. Who, who was it? By evening you're going to realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. What was he telling them? God is your source. Listen, I'm going to rain down food from heaven. Your faith is going to be tested. But by the evening, you're going to realize that this whole thing came from God. Listen, it was God that gave you that job, not your boss. It was God that gave you the talent, God that gave you the ability. It was God that gave you that idea for your business. You say, well, Mike, I don't have my business anymore. Well, listen, you still got God, and God has not run out of ideas. God has not run out of options. God has not run out of miracles. If you still have God, then you have what you need. Your job may be gone, but your provision isn't. Can I have a good amen? Oh, this is good. You see, God is trying to get the focus of the Israelites back on him. He's doing all the heavy lifting, but he's requiring them to trust. You know what? Time and time again, we see God having to correct the children of Israel. But here's what I love about God. God, and sometimes as parents, we correct our children. When I correct my kids, they may lose privilege, but they never lose provision. Do you see, even in correction, when God has to correct the Israelites, he doesn't withhold provision. You know, sometimes my kids will misbehave, especially when they were little and we had to correct them and, and you know, we, they would lose privilege. But I wouldn't say, hey, you know, Trevor, you, you hit your sister, so I'm not buckling you up when we go on the next ride. You know, or, or, hey, you know what? No dinner for you, son. No. A loving heavenly father will bring correction, but he'll never eliminate provision. And so we see this in the journey of the Israelites. Look at verse 17. So, so the people of Israel, they did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. I like that. Come on, say just enough. Just enough. You see, God knows what you need and he knows when you need it. I love how the provision was precisely what they needed. God's not obligated to fulfill our greed, but he will always meet our need. And I said, somebody needs to receive that right now. You know, maybe your world has been turned upside down. You serve a loving heavenly father who knows how to make it rain. He'll test you, but that testing is to prepare you. He's going to provide for you along the way. He's going to give you just what you need right when you need it. Now, let me finish this out. Verse 33. Bible says this. Moses said to Aaron, get a jar and fill it with two quarts of manna. Then put it in a sacred place before the Lord to preserve it for all future generations. Now, circle that phrase in your Bible. Now, we're going to talk about that. He says, I want you to get a jar and put some manna in it so it will be preserved for all future generations. Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He eventually placed it in the Ark of the Covenant. 
in front of the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. Verse 35. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. You see, this is a a, a powerful picture. I I love this final thought in this chapter of, of provision. Because in the wilderness, the Israelites, they had manna and they had Moses. But in the promised land, they wouldn't have either. Moses wouldn't go over and guess what? There would be no more manna. They would have to plow the ground and cultivate their own crops. You see, sometimes stepping into a promise creates work. But God faithfully guided them throughout this wilderness journey. Here's the thought. And the last thing I want to give you is really in the form of a question. Okay? And it's simply this. What will the future say about your faith? What will the future say? Uh, uh, The instruction here was to take some manna and put it in a jar to preserve it for future generations. You see, this was manna in a moment, but God was concerned about provision for a lifetime. Okay? Uh, Think about this. Manna, the scripture tells us that when they would gather that day, it was just enough. But it would only last for a day. It would only be preserved for a day, and then anything left over would rot. Yet here we see the instruction was to place it in a jar and put it in the Ark of the Covenant, and that represented the presence of God. God was wanting to speak not to just this generation, but to future generations. You see, I believe God will not only meet us what we need for today, but he's going to take care of every need of, our, of the rest of our lives. And not just our lifetime, but I think about our children. I think about our our grandkids. And what will our faith today speak to their tomorrow? This is a powerful question because there's something about legacy in this that God was trying to explain to the Israelites and I think something that he wants us to pay attention to. You know, uh, last weekend, I, I, I... dialed into this uh, documentary, this, this series on Michael Jordan. You know, I think they call it The Last Dance, okay? And I'm a big, big basketball fan. Uh, Jordan was my guy. I mean, okay, I know that they've been great players over the years, but we all know that MJ was the GOAT, okay? The greatest of all times. Thank you, Kobe, LeBron, and Wilt Chamberlain, and every generation had their, but nobody better than old MJ, and we were watching this documentary, and um, man, it brought me back to my childhood days. And man, just seeing the journey of, of the Chicago Bulls and that last championship run. And, you know, man, it just, ooh, it made me want to just get out and, and hoop it up again. Um, come on, how many know, man, the, the older I get, the better I was. I got no game left, but I talk about the glory days. And so Trevor and, and Rachel and I were kind of sitting there, and I told Rachel, I said, babe, you know, when I die, I want you to tell our creative team at church to make a documentary about my life. And, and, and I, wa- I want you to, to help them kind of shape this. And, you know, whatever's played at my funeral, now you got to cry a lot of tears at my funeral. I want you to say a lot of nice things and talk about how amazing I was. And, you know, I, I just, I, I want this documentary and I want it to say something. I want it to say something to our kids, you know, maybe our grandkids at the time. And she's like, oh, you silly boy. Yeah, Rachel shakes her head at me all the time. 
but you know, I, I kind of thought about reading this. I thought, you know, we are doing things today that will send a message to a world that we may never see. And sometimes we think those decisions are small and seemingly insignificant. But our kids are watching us. Our grandkids are watching us. And what do you want your faith today to speak into their tomorrow? History will tell how we handled ourselves. The Israelites, their resume, they doubted. They complained. They whined. They grumbled. Oh, man, they went in circles. God was doing everything for them, and they just wouldn't trust him. They wouldn't cooperate. Oh, let it not be said of this church. Let it not be said of our family. Let it not be said of you. Let's be men and women who are determined to trust God. You see, David made this statement in Psalm 37, verse 25. He said, you know what? I've lived a long time. He said, I've been young, and now I'm an old guy. But I tell you this, in all my years, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's descendants begging for bread. There it is. There's the word bread. Same word used in Exodus chapter 16. It's the same message. David said, take it from my experience. Those who walk with the Lord will always be cared for. You won't have to beg for this stuff. Listen, it may be cloudy, but guess what? That cloud will lead you. Cloudy with a chance of manna. That manna will feed you. Not just for a moment, but for the rest of your days. And may his provision not only speak of his faithfulness to us, but may it also be a promise to our kids and to our grandkids. What will history say of the pandemic of 2020? I pray that it'll always speak to the faithfulness of God and a people who are committed to trust him. Amen. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.